Welcome to Subscribing to Wellness, the show where Rachel Newman and myself, Daniel Fairman, sit down with leading founders, executives, and investors committed to building a healthier future for consumers. Hey listeners, I just wanted to quickly mention my favorite hydration supplement element. Hydration is a crucial part of life, and it isn't just about drinking water. Being optimally hydrated is actually about optimizing your body's fluid ratios. This fluid balance depends on many factors, including the intake and excretion of electrolytes. Electrolytes are charged minerals that conduct electricity to power your nervous system. They also regulate hydration status by balancing fluids inside and outside your cells. Current science points to consuming four to six grams of sodium, three to 0.5 to five grams of potassium, and 400 to 600 milligrams of magnesium per day from diet and supplements for optimal health outcomes. It can be hard to consume these ranges from whole food diets, especially sodium. Element was formulated with a science-backed electrolyte ratio 1,000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium, and 60 milligrams of magnesium. Just as important as what is put in element is what is left out. Dodgy ingredients and public health enemy number one, sugar. I've been consuming the product for about a year and absolutely love it. And if you want to get started today, you should go to drinkelement.com slash subscribe into wellness for a special introductory deal on your first order. That's drinkelement, L-M-N-T, dot com slash subscribe into wellness. You won't regret it. Our next partner is AG1, the daily foundational nutritional supplement that supports whole body health. I drink AG1 first thing in the morning. It's the very first thing I put in my body before anything else. I personally love drinking it with fresh squeezed lemon juice. It makes me feel ready to take on my day. It's my personal start button and my body craves it daily. It has become an absolute staple in my routine. I originally gave AG1 a try because I was so tired of taking all these different supplements and I needed something simple that I could stick to. It's a routine that stays with me no matter where I go. The travel packs make it so easy and allow me to feel grounded no matter where I am. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash STW. That's drinkag1.com slash STW. Check it out. Today on Subscribing to Wellness, we are joined by Native Pet co-founders Dan Schaefer and Pat Barron. Their products utilize whole food and superfood ingredients to harness the healing powers found in nature to bolster the health and well-being of our pets. When Dan was looking for better nutrition for his Labrador retriever, Louie, he found that brands were really missing the mark. He quickly realized that kibble was based nutrition, and if he wanted to customize Louie's diet for his own unique needs, he required a tailored regimen of kibble coupled with supplements. In an effort to make this realization a reality, Dan called on his childhood friend, Pat, who had a similar passion for pets and entrepreneurship, and together they founded Native Pet in 2017. Dan and Pat, welcome to Subscribing to Wellness. Hey, Rachel. So excited to have you guys on today. Um, You know, pet companies really amaze me in that they're often, they're always founded by humans, yet they're about, and they create products in categories that necessarily like 
we don't get to taste and we don't know how the animals are actually reacting other than, you know, barking or not eating or eating. So I know this company you started because you were a pet parent. So take me back, like pet parent started kind of take me back to like how you came, came to this. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think in, in the consumer products world, pet and baby are the only categories where there is no personal feedback loop. And so you have to rely on reactions and outcomes and, and things that can't be verbalized. You know, babies can't tell you whether like they like this or like that. And same with dogs. You, you have to just gauge how things are received, how things work. And it, it's a, it's a parallel in some ways, but also totally different in others category. And that is impacts marketing all the way through to R and D to operations. So it's, it's a, an interesting place to do business. I think we fell in love with the pet category, like you said, because we became pet parents and I think Pat and I had our lifelong friends and lifelong want to be entrepreneurs. And so we had long been looking for the right opportunity. And I think it was kind of right under our noses. I don't think any, either of us would ever told you that when, once we finally took the plunge and started a business that it would be in the pet category. Um, but when you adopt a dog and you fall in love with your dog and you spend all this time caring for your dog, um, it's pretty fast. Like the, the It's just a fascinating category. Um, there's so much information. It's hard to navigate. There's so many different products, so many different brands. And I think we just saw the opportunity both on the product side and on the brand side, because we went on this like honest customer journey and it, it just combined a whole bunch of passions for us. And so we wanted to do consumer products. We, um, we wanted to be entrepreneurs. We wanted to start a, you know, start a business from scratch. And then we had fallen in love with dogs and it was kind of like, man, that would be like a pretty fun way to like spend your time, like rewarding, fun. Um, we knew we'd never have trouble hiring people. Um, and so like it, it became this like perfect storm of product opportunity, brand opportunity, alignment with passion, alignment with interests. And then Pat and I were like ready to rock. And, and Pat, we were both management consultants. So like we had both been like kind of like loosely in consumer um, maybe me a little more than Pat. Um, but I think Pat was the first one to be like, hell yeah, like I'm all in. And I don't, I think like six weeks after our first conversation, Pat was so mentally checked out at work that he's like, I gotta, I have to quit. It's the only, it's my only option. <laughs> so I was management for corporate So I was just like the moment Dan planted that seed and, and we, you know, we had a, we had a couple airbrained ideas that never came to fruition and, um, that one was just, we couldn't get away from it. And we were just like, all right, we're off for the races. So it started slow, but we're, we're, uh, we're excited we made the plunge. I'm curious what were, give us like two or three of the other ideas that you threw around before you landed on pet supplements. Well, they're still alive technically. <laughs> so, um, okay. no, uh, you know, we, um, so true story, um, you know, like all these brands that sell the lined shorts. Yeah. You know, like yeah, um, bird dogs started to, you know, I forget who the first one to do them, 
I had that idea a long time ago. Like, you know, probably 2013. Dan just loves compression shorts yeah. and shorts. Combine them. I was like, uh, okay. Yeah. So it I, worked out. It was a good idea. Um, we, we also, like, sold some, like, waterproof backpacks on Amazon and, like, a more traditional, like, white label business and the, the other one was uh the, the other one that that was harder to give up was like a outdoor um storage container so it was like a yeti it was like a kind yeti, of like that. there's a business that we can't yeah you know i don't want to say too much because the name and product was like eerily similar to what we wanted to do <laughs> um so i don't want to give them any free marketing but they ended up kind of executing on the idea i don't know if they independently got the idea or maybe they saw some of the early decks. I don't know, but um, they've executed on it in a, in a better way than we were going to. And so that business is exploding right now. I've tried to order it, but it's like out of stock because so many people want it. So that one, like, I think we were on to something, but we never quite like got to the product side of it. But Pat and I were natural CPG entrepreneurs. We, we, we love like hard goods was not, our cup of tea um and i think we're much more excited to be in the consumable space now we love yeah. food that's another common thread but like between both our friendship and native pet is like we're very passionate food people and so um i think a lot of that comes out in native pet and so it ended up being the right the right category for us to be in so well thanks pat because that was a great segue i'm curious so native pet is a, a dog supplement company and i'm curious why you started with like whole food whole ingredient supplements as opposed to like true dog food and if you can kind of like for those that aren't pet owners or dog owners really explain to us the difference between you know like an everyday food and then like what your dog consumers are eating yeah, you know food is interesting we 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 started out, um, you know, it's really hard to just jump into the pet industry, A, um, and B, so so starting with like the most competitive category is like very intimidating. We started very slow, dipping our toes in and testing kind of stuff outside the bowl. Um, you know, food, most of the food category, the pet food category is dominated by, you know, your Mars, Purina, um, and it's just a vicious category. I mean, just it's 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 truly dog doggy dog, no pun intended. Um, but uh, but the you know we got really excited about everything around the bowl at the time. You know, there was a lot of folks doing these kind of trying to do custom diets for you know either breed specific diets. And Dan and I really did not buy into the ability to scale that idea. And instead, there's a much easier idea of adding supplements to existing bowls because, you know, kibble does provide, you know, they call it complete and balanced. But if your dog has certain issues that are specific to your dog, um, getting that specific uh, supplement that delivers on that acute need that you need is much easier to just add to the existing bowl. Um, so we got really excited about this idea of, hey, we're not going to go after you know, the, the, the kibble, we're going to do everything to layer it in and help customers customize their bowl for their dog. So that's kind of how we approach it. Well, I mean, even before kind of the business choice, I think 
in just our personal experience as pet parents, when you go, you adopt the dog, there are a hundred kibbles to choose from. And to be honest, like they're not that different. Like it's, it, you know, like this one has more chicken, that one has less, you know, like you're, you're, but there's like all these different options and there's all these different brands and you could, you know, go raw. You, you know, there's like all these things you can do. Um, but my dog Louie had, you know, just not like major, but had just like a bunch of small stuff in his first year. So whether that was, he was eating stuff that he shouldn't and was getting an upset stomach. He came to us with worms and fleas and like, you know, it was kind of a mess for the first few months. And, you know, there's all of these different kibbles that are all just kind of like complete and balanced. Um, but then we had to buy all this other stuff, you know, to help him kind of like get nursed back to health, so to speak. And um, there aren't a lot of op- there at the time. This is 2014. Like there weren't a lot of options for those type of products. And in fact, you know, you end up kind of like piecing together stuff. You know, for example, like if you wanted a fiber supplement, the vet just tells you like, go buy a can of pumpkin, like the same stuff you put into pumpkin pie. Right. And it was like, um, that's the like best option here, you know? And so I think, you know, and then, and then once we really looked at it, everything Pat said is true, right. It, it is like, you know, pet food is mega competitive. It is a mega money maker for Nestle, for Purina, and it is a cutthroat, incredibly competitive category. So all those things were true, but there was just not a true like competitive set or like market for supplements yet. And our our journeys told us like, oh man, this is going to be the future because you know, kibble is the right thing for any dog, like broadly, it's the lowest common denominator, but it can't possibly be the right thing for any one specific dog. And that concept has become like much more of a core belief in the pet community over the last 10 years than it was the previous 50, where even vets are like anchored, kibble's all you need, kibble's all you need. And like the consumer just doesn't think that in a way anymore. And our journeys told us that. And then when the consulting brains like clicked in, saw the growth in the category, saw how competitive kibble was, saw how few people were trying to do supplements. We were like, this is the space we want to play. Yeah. So if we think about supplements, and I'm going to take this back to humans just so that we can then compare it back. Like if we think about the supplement category as a whole, typically someone starts taking a supplement because either they feel a certain way, they do some research online. I'm tired. I'm going to take this. Like I need vitamin D, my blood work. I go to the doctor. How, tell me how it was creating these different supplements in your product line. And like, did you work with a vet? How did you know that like, these were the main things to go after for dogs? I'll talk about the first part and then Pat can talk about like the vet part. Cause I think that's its own topic. Um, I think it's really a user experience, like a customer experience story to start. And so um, there are a set of core issues that people deal with, with their dog. And they range from like basic and everyday to like a little more structural and scary. And, and most of them are related with to do with aging just generally, but not all of them. And I think the first most obvious one is you see your dog poop every day. And if you live in this city, not only do you see it, you handle your dog's poop every day. 
right? Which is like kind of disgusting to think about, but like in New York City, like dogs need to poop on the sidewalk, right? So like you got to clean it up. And that feedback loop is really powerful. And so people just notice when things aren't working the way they should be. And so like the most obvious place to start is, is digestive supplements, right? And so um, we have a number of those, but it's like, you can slice like dogs who need to take medicine. It kills all the bacteria in their stomach. And so their stomach gets upset for a few weeks while they're on medicine. A probiotic is a natural way to like restore the right balance of bacteria in the dog's stomach. And so it's a really kind of like problem solution type category. So the exercise was how do we identify the problems? And they're like, my dog's getting up slow. My dog's poop isn't the right consistency, which sounds gross, but that's like what we deal with. My dog's not eating its its kibble, right? And so like there was an exercise of like identifying the problem and we use social media, we use surveys with friends, you know, Google, like search volumes and blog, track, like all sorts of metrics to kind of like hone in on what the big problem areas were. And then it's like, okay, so we have the problem. What's the solution? And that's where Pat really takes over and he can talk through the process for how do we get the right solution to the right problem. Yeah. So, you know, with, with any new product that we're, you know, trying to solve an acute need for, or just, you know, a, a, like a general need, we we have a team of you know vet nutritionists, vets, uh, animal nutritionists. We there's different folks that do different parts of the process, and so we kind of start pretty broad. I'm like, okay, what's the research telling us? What do we need to be able to do to you know to get the outcome that we want? So you know how much uh, how much do we want to be dosing for serving? So we kind of we narrow the field by looking at the um, the dosing and the ingredients. Um, and we always try to, you know, really follow the research. And then we kind of take that and I'm like, okay, how can we turn this into a product? And that often dictates, okay, what format we're going to use. So we have powders, liquids, and we have our air dried chew, which, which is, you know, one of the innovations that we brought to market. And, and so that, that delivery and, and protecting the, the integrity of those ingredients is super important when choose, you know, when thinking about format. And so we use that research. And then what we know about our manufacturing process to pair the format. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of iteration. You know, some of these products took a lot longer than others. Um, the Airdrive 2 took two years of r and looks super simple, but it's actually very complicated <laughs> to make something simple. Um, and so, you know, Dan and I were, you know, buying dehydrators, doing this in our kitchen, getting raw chicken everywhere. And, uh, so it was, it, it, that that was the beginning when we were just trying to get the format right, but but that's kind of the basic story on how we how we formulate and make products. And when you guys think about like a chew format versus a powder, obviously in like the human supplement space, there's kind of an interesting transition. There are a lot of powders, like Athletic Greens, kind of created that form factor in a way, and then a lot of obviously pills and vitamins. But then now I think there's actually quite a big growth in the chewy format. How do you guys think about what the right format is for the dog? Obviously, I've seen you guys have powders. You guys also have yak chews. Like, how do you think the right form factor works? 
Well, I'll just kind of, you know, reiterate, like, it, a lot of it's dictated by, you know, if you think about how things are made, like manufactured, sometimes there's pressure, sometimes there's heat, and those can degrade or denature ingredients. So we think about ingredient integrity um, uh, with format. Um, we also think, you know, in in, uh, in the pet space, you have to really think about palatability, too. That's a unique challenge. I mean, it's not a unique challenge. I mean, you have to think about taste and flavor with human supplements, but... But if your dog doesn't eat the supplement, you're not going to buy it. So you have to you have to really think about both maintaining ingredient integrity and then also getting your dog to eat it. So it's really that balance of all right, we got to make this thing work because we get because that's the purpose of the product, but we also have to make it taste good. So those are often kind of two core challenges. Yeah, I mean humans have a much bigger threshold for like. This doesn't taste great, but I know it's good for me. I'll get it down. I'm not going to like call any supplements out by name. I know I do that every morning. Um, and dogs, you know, like do have some, yeah, not, yeah, you know, not pointing to anything, but uh, I have a new one too. That's just doesn't taste great, but I still do it. Dogs won't do that. Right. Um, they are, you know, their taste buds like what their taste buds like. Um, their body tells them what they need. And, you know, like when your dog's eating grass, like your dog doesn't love the taste, but something's telling in nature is telling your dog to do that. Unfortunately, supplements haven't been around enough where your dog can be like, you know what? I think I need this weird smelling powder on top of my kibble. Like I better eat it. Like they aren't making that choice. And so it, it has to be both, I guess, all the above of like effective you know, there's a lot of things that go into that. And then it has to taste great to the dog. And then the third challenge that we've also wrestled with is the consumer has to read the ingredient deck and decide they want to give it to their dog. And that's the duality of our user experiences. There's the dog portion of it and then the human portion of it. And so to tie it back to the soft chews that are in the category, um, they have a bunch of stuff that like you don't want to feed your dog. And so you flip over the ingredient deck on a little three grand supplement and there's three different starches. Starches like typically aren't great for dogs. There's added sugar, there's added flavor, and it's all to make like the supplements fit in this like little three gram chew. And so consumers read that and they're like, why is all this stuff in here? Um, and I think that's the other piece is we got, our goal has been to make the ingredient deck feel more like what our core consumer is used to buying. And that's where the whole foods really come in, which is how can we use like real ingredients, whole food ingredients to make an effective supplement rather than relying on all these like highly processed, cheap things that are necessary for manufacturing processes. And that is the third leg of the stool between efficacy and taste is like, how do we make these as clean label and real as possible? From a product development perspective, um, I know it took you so many years to create your yak chews and I'm sure the product development, like iteration part of the puzzle with dog food, dog supplements and food is much harder than it is with humans. Tell me about like that process. Are you creating a version, giving it to friends, giving it to your dogs, like testing it in that way? Or what is the testing process like? 
Yeah, I mean, we had some. We so we, just to be clear, like we we didn't. The our big R and D project was the air dried shoes, which is kind of our like supplement format, not necessarily the yak shoes. The the air dried shoes started with like jerky dehydrators in our kitchens in like 2017. Like that's where it all started, and it's come full circle. But at the time, and still to this day, like. Nobody was like, let's put a bunch of supplement ingredients in chicken and try to like figure everything out. Pat and I were like the crazy ones that were like, man, my dog loves these chicken things. Like, why can't the supplements be in here? We didn't know what we didn't know about why that was going to be so hard. But yeah, we were literally, my wife would come home and I, you know, I was at BCG at the time. So I'd be working all day and at like 1030 at night, I'd be blending like green-lipped muscle into like raw chicken so I could get into the dehydrator overnight. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're going to, and then we'd, we'd hand them out to friends. We'd see if dogs would eat them. But, you know, there's a long, you know, everybody talks about this, I feel like, but like so many brands don't actually develop their own products. You yeah. know, like it's just white labels come in and they tell a great marketing story. Like it's really hard to take something from your kitchen that you've prototyped and then get somebody to manufacture it. There are so many things you have to figure out. And like Pat took that on and it was a brutal process. Yeah, because you know, you're dealing with we made an awesome prototype. We're like, if we could just take this, well, you know, we're putting it into the freezer and then cutting it up and then dehydrating it, you know, and then sort of scaling that and doing it in a cost-effective way. Um is is really tough. And so, you know, and you know, to your kind of second part of your question on on how do we how do we do the testing? You know, we we do we do a lot. Like right now, we, we it's like a lot of friends. Like, hey, can you try this and give us feedback. We need like the qualitative data to make sure that we're feeling comfortable. We give it to everyone that works here now that uh, tests with their dogs. Most everyone here has 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 a dog. Um, and then we work with third parties that also do this, like actually build a good sample size to understand kind of any sort of like palatability challenges, but also, you know, like digestive, you know, studies to, to understand like how, how do our products perform, you know, in, in, in the digestive tract. So we're, we're trying to do a lot more of, of, of that research so we can really prove out, um, you know, the hard work that we've done on the product side. Yeah, this might be a super weird question. Dan was kind of alluding to it a little earlier where like with dogs, they need it to taste good for them to rehab it, like to, to have it again and to continuously have eat it. I'm curious um, with the second part of that though, like with humans, even if I necessarily don't like the taste, but I know that it makes me feel good, for example, like a probiotic or a supplement where I have it every day and it helps my stomach to feel better. Do dogs or can dogs slash do dogs make that connection where I'm having this, like my owner puts this in my bowl every day. I don't love the taste, but wow, like my stomach as a dog feels better. Like do dog, do dogs do that? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, my dog is this, you know, average intelligence, I would say. I think just what dance dog definitely just what mine's below average intelligence for sure, but we love them anyway. 
Stan, Stan Stog has done a lot of different things, but uh, but no, I, I I'm not sure. But but you can see like for certain supplements, you really do see. I think Dan's digestive one where you're picking up your student sense of learning is like the perfect example. Another one is it's the small things like my dog's getting up a little slower, and then you know you give a a, a relief chew or hip and joint um, chew, and 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 they you notice that. They're actually getting up a little bit easier, and and maybe they know that I don't know, but um, you know, for them it seems like it's more of like a treat. It, it almost smells good, like hey, this is basically very chicken forward. You you just don't know, like that's the challenge with the category, and so you know, you're you're like if you were to like kind of like decision tree this out, your only decision is to you can't launch something that doesn't taste great and hope that it makes the dog feel great so that their body like loops them into telling them they need to eat it. Cause you still have that first day challenge of, will they eat it? Right. And so like, you just don't know. And so the baseline has to be your dog will eat it the first time you get it. Right. And so it's, a, it's a challenge, you know, like you can't force them. And that's why with a pet supplement, you really need to lead with taste as you, you, Yeah. And by the way, like a lot of these active ingredients don't taste great. Yeah. They're bitter. They're, you know, like they're concentrates. They're, uh, you know, there's just, they're not, they're not necessarily, you know, and that's, that is the real challenge of the supplement space. You know, like humans can take like a, a pill for stuff that doesn't taste great or is highly concentrated dogs. It's like much harder, like, you know, there's really only one way to make a dog take a pill and it's a really unpleasant, doesn't, doesn't go on the front end if you catch my drift, you know? And so, you know, you need to, like, you got to find ways to get them to eat it. And so like, you have to like bridge the gap between food and supplements or, you know, kind of like even kind of more like over the counter medicines, like a, an Advil type of thing. In pet, you got to really bridge the gap and make that Advil feel more like food. Otherwise, your dog doesn't need it. Or as a pet parent, you have a very unpleasant experience. Dogs, you, you guys make dogs sound like babies, which is which they exactly. are. I mean, I have three. <laughs> I have three babies and a dog, and like there are a lot of similarities in terms of like you got to trick them into eating things. You know, you got to. Um, Give them things they don't like. Like, there's a lot that that are of similarities between pet and baby. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious how you guys think about. You know, you have a beautiful Shopify site. You go big on Amazon as well, and then you're also handling Chewy. How do you kind of think about those three differentiated channels for kind of direct to consumer e-commerce, um, and kind of how you allocate media spend and how you kind of manage all three channels at once. Yeah, I mean, we, we've grown up as an Amazon brand. And so, I mean, we we kind of zigged when everybody else was zagging. And so we really focused on Amazon starting in 2017. And everybody told us we were crazy for not starting on a D2C site. And then the world has like kind of like gone backwards. And now every, you know, now everybody's an omni-channel brand. Like, you know, D2C, you know, is dead, blah, blah, blah. So like, you know, we've always just done, I think we, early on, we were core believers. You can only do one channel well early on. And, 
the more kind of like spread out you get, the harder it is to execute. Not impossible. It's just like harder. And so we were fortunate in that um, we hit the category at the right time where Amazon was still growing, you know, huge year over year. The category was growing huge year over year. And Pat and I had the time to like really dedicate ourselves to learning how to operate on Amazon. And so, and then it was fortunate. It gave us all the growth we needed to kind of accomplish our goals. And so in the early years, we had more than we could handle just trying to keep up with volume on Amazon. And so like we really focused there. And then we've kind of like gradually been layering on other sales channels. And as we've become more omni-channel over time, that has had a major impact on how we approach media. And so, you know, up until 2020, we really just focused on on-platform Amazon media. Like how do we be the best that we can be on Amazon platform and really just like kept, capture all that existing demand that's on Amazon? Um, when we raised money, you know, from both Selva and then eventually Kavu, who led our Series A, it was kind of like, these are great products. You have a great concept. You have great feedback from your customers, loyal customers, a winning channel, and nobody knows who you are. Um, and so the exercise became, how do we start scaling distribution and then scaling a media plan in tandem that was appropriate for our level of distribution. Because in reality, like, you know, brands, I think, make the mistake of like huge media budget, one point of distribution, like people shop where they want to shop. And so the diversity and the amount of our media spend is directly correlated to what we believe we're going to have from a points of distribution perspective. It's obviously like not a science, but we didn't want to go too broad in our media until we felt like we had a broad enough distribution network. And like, that's been the exercise. And so today, like we're in wholesale um, and we're growing in wholesale. We're, you know, Chewy has been a great sales channel for us. Amazon remains a great sales channel. Our D2C side is growing. Now we're in a position where we're doing a lot more brand building, top of funnel media, we have a YouTube channel, a TikTok channel, you know, tons of content on Reels. We're running some OTT ads this year. And so we're doing more top of funnel work than we ever have. But we feel like we have a broad enough distribution base that it can justify a broad media strategy. And so I think that's the the balance we've tried to strike over the years. Yeah. And digging into that top of funnel, you guys recently went through a rebrand uh, which is absolutely stunning, like beautiful, bright blue, lime green, really pops. Can you tell me a little bit about like why now for this rebrand and what was like the main goal in strategically doing this rebrand? Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like I think we had developed a, a brand that we were proud of. So it, it's not like the work we had done before the rebrand was like bad like and our customers loved that brand like when we changed i think like there were some people who were upset but um you know it's all in like the evolution of of what we wanted to become as a brand and and our business had really been oriented around winning online and and this is just like a small anecdote like we used to have like more cream based packaging and 
Um, we launched in a retailer and it got on shelf and we realized the cream that we used on our package was basically ex an exact Pantone match as the color of the shelf. And we were like, oh no, that's not good. It's like camouflaged. <laughs> and so like, despite not looking great on shelf, it, it ended up, um, we, it, it, it sold well, but we were like, I think the retail transition made us realize um, the colors you use, the type of packaging you use, and the story you're telling about yourself has to be so concentrated, so focused, and then so unified between every point of your marketing. Otherwise, things just get lost in the shuffle. And so I think we had some work to do on focusing in like who we are, what our story is, and what we, how we want to communicate that to the world. And so it starts there and then it works its way down through design. And I think as part of that, we realized we needed to have more of a color system. We need to use bigger, more eye-catching colors. We, but we wanted to like keep like a, the kind of like a brilliant white to show like we are still clinical, you know, we are still using, and it becomes this exercise. And so it's really hard to do that piecemeal. And so I think, it became this foundational work. We had incredible partners to do that. Um, one of the big value adds that Kavu brings to the table is they have an incredible team of um, a creative strategist and a brand designer. And so they partnered with us to take on the rebrand. And I think it's turned out you know, to be a big win. And I think we're seeing that lift in, in the success of the business this year. And you know, the only thing I had to do is the, the products that we were selling weren't totally matching up with the packaging and the storytelling. And I think that they allowed us to kind of get the story out and get credit for all that work. Um, and then we did some pretty innovative, continuing to put out innovative packaging, try to be a more sustainable lead, kind of that in a, in a, you know, in a toned down way and kind of like, hey, we don't need full credit for this, but we want to, we want to build a uh, premium packaging that really pop, well, pops off shelf and people feel good about showing people in their house and putting it on, you know, on their kitchen table. Yeah, for sure. And I know a lot of the strategy moving forward, as you mentioned, is like expanding channel mix in TikTok and social and reels, et cetera. And of course, you know, I was scrolling through your TikTok and the content on there is amazing. But what I was so struck by is the recipe content. And I really didn't know that there was like such a thing for this in dog talk or whatever the phrase is with TikTok for dogs of like, and you mentioned this, like it's hard to get your dog to eat a supplement if it doesn't necessarily taste good or even if it does taste good, like to get them to eat it. And I saw the like ants on a log with the celery and the pumpkin oh, yeah. and the blueberry. So what's like the strategy behind recipe development, blog, kind of like more content driven in that capacity for these dog owners? Well, I mean, like, ultimately, like your brand, like, you know, I think your content has to be stuff that people want to watch, right? You know, I mean, in the end, social media is just a form of entertainment. Like it can be more brand forward. It can be more education forward. Like there are different levers that you can pull, but like ultimately, like people just need to want to watch it. And, you know, people don't know, you know, supplements are not mainstream. Like the majority of the U S you know, pet owners like are not using supplements today. 
Um, but everyone can appreciate like a cheeky recipe for a party that starts to like incorporate like more wellness. And so like my wife has like five different molds and she makes these like frozen paw treats or like bone treats and like brings them to parties in the summer, you know, but, and like, that was, you know, people do that without realizing they're doing a supplement. And so like from, from our perspective, it's like, you got to find ways to like make these mainstream and like bridge into what people want. And people love their dogs. They love doing cute things for their dogs. My neighbor does a, their family does a dog gift exchange. So like they each get something for their other, like they're, you know, like people love that, you know, and, and like these treats, the recipes are just like a fun way to engage with your dog, like show your dog, you love them. And they're extremely popular. And so we have an, you know, you know, our, you know, kind of TikTok strategist, Abby is amazing. She is our target market. She makes incredible content. Um, and so it comes really natural to our marketing team and they, they churn it out. I will say, Rachel, the funniest content that like people love on TikTok is people love listening to dogs chew on things. What? Like, yeah. Dogs. Yeah. So like we put the microphone on Harvey, who's, um, you know, one of our one of our favorite dogs and he like is a real chomper. And so like we'll have like three million views on like a dog chomping on some celery and they just can really hear him chomping. People. Yeah. Yeah. People love it. So like, you know, you got to my whole point of this is you got to give what the people want. It's yeah. entertainment. Like in the end, it's, it's, you know, people have tons of stuff they could be watching and you got to make it entertaining and, and what people want. And so we have a variety of different types of content, but um, you know, we, you have to think a little bit more like a media company today, now more than ever with video content, video channels and all these different social media things. Like it can't just be like, my brand is awesome. Like, here are my three RTBs. Like, you got to find stuff that is in between that and entertaining. I think the recipes are perfect for us. It, you know, we love whole foods. We love feeding dog healthy things. If we can use the supplements and the recipes, great. But people just want something that's fun and they can show their dog they love them. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, I don't even have a dog. And I was like, this is fun. <laughs> I love Yeah, that. I mean, you know, and like, you know, we make these like watermelon blueberry pumpkin, like paw bites in the summer and we'll like take them to a party and like give them to people's dog. Like, it's like a, a crowd pleaser, you know. My kids have tried to eat them and I'm like, oh, I guess technically you can, you know, like it's nothing. I mean, they you look- said you basically have like either four babies or four dogs. <laughs> and like, listen, I'm not too proud to say like they definitely share meals. Like my kids feed my dogs. And unfortunately, like, you know, my dog, my kids have found their way to the dog bowl a time or two. And you're like, no, no. And then you're like, well, I guess we're a, we're a equal opportunity family. That just means you really need to be feeding your dogs whole foods. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's all the more reason because, you know, I got a bunch of curious kids. Um, okay. So I have to ask this question in terms of like what we see of the future for native pet, my mind automatically goes to expanding, you know, with other animals. And I guess first it was to cats. What's the thought process behind like pet expansion? Yeah, I think there, there are a couple of areas. Um, there's no shortage of opportunities for growth from, for us from a product perspective. And this is our favorite part of the business. 
violin side. We love making new products. Um, I think our feline friends are an obvious opportunity for us. Um, they are particularly challenging because they are, you know, the pickiest eaters in, in the, in the companion animal kingdom. And so they have highly discerning palates and they just won't even consider eating something they don't like. Cats love our products because of the whole food inclusion and particularly the air dried shoes. So I think that's an, an interesting opportunity for us. Um, and then I think you, we can niche down into more and more supplements. We can look at kind of like moving, kind of like expanding around the bowl a little bit more outside of supplements. And I think that is something that we're looking at and we're excited about. And I think the one thing you can count on is you will continue to launch new and exciting products, whether that's for dogs, cats, or otherwise. We, we still have our uh, lab coats on. We're doing zany uh, experiments. Like we want to, we we really do want to push, um, continue to push the industry forward in terms of like what's being brought um, to market. I think there's that is the opportunity. It's like just not doing things the same. Um, you go to these trade shows, you see a sea of the same, and it to us it's so exciting because it tells us that nobody is really looking at this very obvious thing that hey like there's innovation that needs to happen here um and we we want to be the one that does that and so we're gonna you're gonna see some some new some new things come out yeah mm -hmm. it's so true you say that the like the innovation in human food is crazy you know like either the form factor or like plant-based this or like jelly this you know whatever we're having but in terms of pets, although we take care of our pets so well and we'll treat them like humans, the lack of innovation in the actual like products themselves is really is really apparent. 100%. Yeah, you yeah. go through Whole Foods and you're gonna, you know, if you go to Whole Foods, you can walk down the aisle and you see you see some pretty amazing both brands, but also you know product innovation. And, and so we took a lot of inspiration from from other categories and kind of what they're doing on the food science side and manufacturing side. So um, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of great, great food technology. Especially if you're using whole foods and whole ingredients, you know, it's, it's there. Um, yeah. So we like to ask all of our guests how they subscribe to wellness. So I'm going to, since we have a unique circumstance here with pets, dogs specifically, I want you to answer it with how you subscribe to wellness. So what are some things you do on a daily, weekly basis to be able to show up for yourself and for native and for your family, as well as what are some things you do for your dog for them to be the best version of themselves? So I, I can go first. So I, I am a recent convert um, I'm, uh, to Sunday's air dried uh, food for, for my dog. I love that company. Um, I think they're doing some really cool stuff. Um, so that, so I am a new subscriber to Sundays. Um, and then I'm also a native pet subscriber for, for my dog, Albie. So, um, so, you know, that, that's my, uh, that's my Albie, uh, subscription. And, you know, for me, I am very, uh, I'm, I'm passionate about protein, meat, protein. So I, I subscribe to a, uh, a, a venison subscription uh it's got it's kind of out there but it's uh you know it, it's axes deer it's called maui venison it's a really amazing company they're doing some cool stuff with uh 
invasive species in Hawaii. So that's a plug for, for Maui, but that's, that's how I subscribe. I, I get my meat from, from that. Yeah, I am. Um, my wife hates all my subscriptions. Um, cause I, I like loved to try new things and I subscribe when I like them. So I have a lot of them The the, my three favorite are, I'm very focused on gut health right now. And so I subscribe to super gut, which is a insoluble fiber prebiotic blend. Oh, there we go. Um, really like that. Been feeling great. Um, I love a premium yogurt brand called the coconut cult that, sells coconut yogurt it's one of the best tasting like new it's very expensive but um worth it it's like a probiotic supplement so i eat that with some granola every morning and then i gotta support another salva portfolio brand i've started using the one skin face wash and face cream i've never really like consistently even really washed my face that's probably embarrassing i shouldn't admit that on a podcast but i've definitely never used lotion and this face cream makes me feel so pampered and it is an, a, an awesome product. And so I've been using that every day and now my wife has started to use it as well. And so we are like huge one skin fans in the Schaefer household. I yeah. love that. Another uh, cell phone, we subscribe to Mudwater. Mudwater, yeah, we're big. Uh, yeah, Mudwater is always great. Um that was great, guys. Um, where can our listeners learn more about Native Pet or find Native Pet? Yeah, growing less. So nativepet.com, great resource to learn about the brand. Amazon, Chewy. Um, we sell also in Target and Thrive Market today. And then we're launching a few, one specific retailer that we're super pumped about later this summer. But there should be a bunch of other retailers that get added over the course of the year. So um it will be an exciting year we're trying to get we want to be where you shop is our goal and so we're excited to launch some new retail partners but our bread and butter is online go find go find us on any platform totally up to you amazing thank you guys so much um really enjoyed this conversation awesome thanks rachel thanks, rachel. thanks everyone for listening to today's episode Feel free to rate, review, and share the podcast. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to Wellness. If you'd like to sponsor us, please see the supporter link in our podcast bio. We hope everyone has a great rest of the week filled with wellness, and we'll see you next time.